Oh, hello. Welcome to episode 92 of the Civil War Breakfast Club podcast. As always, I'm joined by Mary, a woman who is physically at home, but mentally she'll, she's still sitting at the bar at the Molly Pitches Brewery in Carlisle. I am just a vacant bar stool named Darren. Hey, Mary, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? And yes, Molly oh. Pritchard's was a very cool place and excellent uh, beers a, as always. And so I'm going to follow a few bar stools like that in my day, Mary. That place God. is pretty cool. Very it good, is. very good day. So what's happening with you? Any exciting? Two weeks into my Master of Library Science program, we we recorded episode 91 last week, which it was nice to be back after hiatus. And I'm very excited for this week's episode. How about you? Uh, very good. Very good. Life is good. Summer is all where fall is here. It's football season. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but here we are. So the weather is cool. So we've got some fun today, Mary. This is, we have some guests again today. I think this is the first time that we've ever had dual guests. It on is. The yes. Well, this is, this is, this is this like is a, a new thing for us. This is blazing a new path for us as we are joined by our friends, Brett Kelly and Dane DeFabio from the National Civil War Museum in Harrisburg. So welcome, boys. How are you? Good, good. good. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good. Yeah, thank you for joining can't, us. Can't complain. The weather's nice and everything's going well. Yes, yeah. it's not humid anymore. It's not humid anymore. <laughs> I think that day we yeah. visited you guys, it was quite humid outside. But yeah, as yeah. Darren said, we visited the National Civil War Museum back in August when we were in Gettysburg, and they gave us a very awesome tour. Got to see kind of behind the scenes and look at some really cool artifacts. We got to see the education space, which um, as a former education assistant in the museum field, I was quite impressed with that. <laughs> I was like, wow, I never had a space like that to work in before. So, oh. so that's pretty cool. What a, what a day that was. We, you know, we just went there to expect to meet some people. We got the real tour. We got the behind the scenes stuff, which is something it doesn't get to do. So it, it's just a fantastic, fantastic overall experience. And uh, it's a great museum. You know, I've heard about it many, many times and I will be the first to admit I've never made it there before. Driven by that hill a million times times mm -hmm. and so it was great to finally get in there so you guys must be uh you guys must be living the dream get to be there every single day yeah it's you know uh coming to work here every day it's it never gets old mm -hmm. everything here is old but it never gets old <laughs> nice. we uh you know every day the phone rings and it's you know somebody else who wants to do something with the museum, work with the museum, or donate artifacts to the museum? You just never know what it's going to be, but it's always interesting, and we're we're very fortunate to have the the museum here in Harrisburg. Going, you're looking at all those documents we had. Oh, look, here's another one signed by Lincoln. Here's one signed by. It's like come on. The one signed by George Mead was my favorite. I oh, was, oh, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah. I was like, oh my, oh my god, <laughs> this is so, so cool. So my question for you guys right off the bat is, you know, what was it that got you into your blood about the Civil War. What was what was how, what was the genesis of what drew you into this this thing that we're all part of? That once it gets into your blood, it never gets out. What was your <laughs> how, how how do you guys fall into this? Dane, you want to go first? Well, for me, my uh, beginning of my interest in the Civil War started in the early '90s. My family was on a vacation to Florida. We were driving home, and we stopped at a uh, very popular restaurant chain that has a. Uh, um, gift shop attached to it. And I saw a union kepi in there. And I thought, man, these are really, this is a really goofy looking hat. It's kind of funny looking. And so I asked my uh, grandparents what this was. And my grandparents had only had high school education. So they said, well, it's, it's a civil war hat. So um, like, hmm, civil war, what is, what is this all about? What, what, what kind of conflict was this? And um, I just begged them and begged them to buy me the hat and they bought me the hat and it was a union kepi purchased in Georgia. So at some time in history, that was probably a crime to purchase <laughs> such a thing in Georgia. <laughs> but, but, uh, on the way home from the trip, uh, I just kept probing my grandparents with questions about everything they knew about the civil war and, then it led to purchasing books after books, starting with coloring books because I was only six years old. Civil War coloring books are kind of a uh, a niche in themselves to, to get them. Mm -hmm. And then um, I got into the Ken Burns series. Then I got into uh, giving speeches at uh, originally for sixth graders. And then when I was about 12, 13 years old, I got into speaking for historical societies, um, did Memorial Day services as well about speaking about the Civil War and also uh, um, reciting Gettysburg, the Gettysburg Address. And then um, 
basically from there I was hooked. <laughs> Had to pursue it as a career in college, grad school, and uh, by coming to work here every day, it certainly is a dream to be able to to work with work with all these items and also to inspire future Civil War historians and buffs. That's nothing better than that. And, and you were the Brett, educator at the museum, correct? Yes. Very cool. <laughs> and Brett, what's and, your uh, story? What about what about you? Uh, well, uh, I've always had an interest in history. When I was uh, very young, I got a volume of the American Heritage uh, Civil War uh, volume, which I think uh, I've heard a lot of people uh, started their interest in uh, the Civil War history uh, from that those volumes. Uh, as I got a little bit older, I uh, continued to my interest in uh, history. I started off more... Uh, towards the Revolutionary War. Uh, I grew up in Burlington, Vermont, which is Ethan Allen's uh, hometown. Uh, his homestead was just about a mile away from where I lived. Uh, so that was sort of a focus when I was very young. As I got older, uh, my family went on a uh, trip down south to visit relatives in Atlanta. Um, and we were fortunate enough to stop at uh, various battlefields along the way, Gettysburg being one, uh, Antietam, Fredericksburg. Uh, so that definitely uh, piqued my interest. Uh, later on in life, uh, I joined the Marines. Uh, the Marines rely heavily on uh, history to sort of uh, build up the confidence of, of the uh, uh, recruits. Uh, they talk about all the Marines that came before and, you know, it, you know, uh, you don't want to, uh, come up short or, you know, do less than what they did. So they really rely on history as a training tool. And so that just reinforced it all. Um, as far as coming to work here, I kind of just, uh, sort of stumbled into it. <laughs> Luckily I was up here in Reservoir Park, walking my dog, uh, and uh, I saw a big sign that said future site of the National Civil War Museum. And uh, I just happened to be walking uh, my dog with a friend of mine from the neighborhood, and it turns out that he was a uh, fairly high placed in the uh, city government. And he said, oh, do you wanna work there? <laughs> you want a job? And I was like, sure, I had just gotten out of the Marines and uh, I was starting to look for work and I was just, kind of flabbergasted. I was like, yes, that would be awesome. I would do anything to work there. I'll clean the toilets. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, and I ended up being hired as the registrar. Uh, started there and worked my way up into curatorial. Wow. And uh, it's it's been fantastic ever since. That, is hey, that stuff never happens to me. Never happens to <laughs> me. Never happens to me, too. I, 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 I can't even find coins on my couch. If he finds a job at the museum. Well, I've but never that, won the lottery, cool. but... You know, well, this will do. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think I think you might have. So, you know, it's funny. You both talked about being in the north and going down to Georgia. So you kind of cross-pollinating Union versus Confederate, which is, brings up the next point, is kind of the whole mission statement of your museum. And you talk about how you want to, you know, basically, as we witness the ongoing divisiveness in our country, uh, more work needs to be done to achieve the founding principles of this country and the vision of our 16th president. Mayor, that's Abraham Lincoln. Just want to let you know. Thank you. <laughs> okay. But it says, it says to, to this end, we will continue to provide balanced programming. So how important is it for you guys um, to make sure that that even though your, your place is in the north in a very blue area, that you maintain that Confederate re uh, you know, representation as well? As far as uh, the exhibits go, um, it's it's very important. Uh, it can be challenging at times because there just aren't as many uh, Confederate artifacts available uh, as there are Union, uh, but we have been very fortunate uh, in the artifacts that we have in the collection. We do have a large amount of Confederate artifacts. We've been able to really keep it pretty balanced. We don't, uh, you know, pass judgment as to, um, you know, you know, uh, talk about, we do talk about why men fought, but we don't, we try not to, you know, pass judgment on the time. It was a different time, uh, but we try and put it in context with the history of our country. Uh, at that time, things were a lot different than they are today, and you really have to look at it that way. Uh, it's, it's sometimes difficult to separate 
the 21st century from the 19th century. Um, but I think we do a good job of laying out the facts and giving people, giving our, our visitors the tools to, uh, you know, evaluate what was going on and, and make their own decisions how they want to interpret it. We, we also um, make sure that we <clears throat> paint a broad picture of the Civil War, look at people from various walks of life. Um, our video composite, when you enter the first gallery here at the National Civil War Museum, introduce you to 10 different characters, Northern and Southern, men and women alike, slave and free, and also urban and rural. And you get a sense how those individuals' lives contributed to the development of different experiences and also get a sense of how the war had a different impact on those individuals based on really how how close they were to the action or how embedded they were in the home front, either if the war was uh, at their doorstep or mile, many miles away. Yeah. With every aspect of the Civil War, you have so many different points of view. Literally millions of men fought during the Civil War throughout those four years. And every single person who either fought on the front lines or uh, was at home trying to take care of the farm, trying to make sure that life goes on uh, as the soldiers are away, everyone had their own point of view as far as what the war was like. And we really wanna um, you know, bring that out. We want the personal stories uh, told. We don't want it to just be a, a rosy picture of you know everything was, uh, you know, all the soldiers were gallant, all the people back home were patient. <laughs> you know, we want to bring out the stories, the real stories. Uh, soldiers who were in the ranks when they wrote home to their wives, there was a lot of, you know, love letters and that type of stuff. A lot of uh, things like uh, religion and things that you'd expect, but there was a lot of talk about money <laughs> and how, uh the family is going to be taken care of. A lot of things, if you read a letter from uh, a soldier who was in Afghanistan or Iraq, uh, the letters would be very similar uh, to what they were during the Civil War. Uh, a lot of times, uh, they're very practical. Uh, they're talking about um, what their kids are going to uh, do uh, when they grow up, what they're going to, um, how they're going to be influenced, uh, how they're going to get their education how it's all gonna be paid for, uh, how how they're gonna live from day to day. Uh, in the uh, North, uh, the home front was far away from the battle lines. Uh, so there, you know, it wasn't as, you know, the stories might not be as exciting, but they're definitely uh, practical. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you can identify with uh, being at home while your husband is away fighting. Uh, in the South, it's another perspective entirely. The home front could be the front. It could be the front lines of a battle. Uh, that, you know, we did get that uh, experience in the North a little bit with Gettysburg, uh, a little bit, quite a bit. But, uh, you know, generally the battles were fought in the South. So the home front was oftentimes right where the fighting was. Uh, so, it, you know, the husband in the ranks might be worried just as much about his family at home as they are worried about him because the front could shift at any time. Uh, so yeah, there's just so many stories uh, and and we're just really uh, privileged to be able to uh, tell these stories mm -hmm. through artifacts, educational programs, uh, speak our speaker series. Um, it's really just a uh, uh, fantastic uh, resource for the community uh, to be able to come up here and, and learn all about our, our history. Yeah, a lot, a lot of what we do is to, we, we try to bring out that personal level with, with the, the podcast. We do, we said many, many times, your corps are made of divisions, divisions made of brigades, brigades are regiments, but regiments are made of companies that are made of husbands and, and sons and brothers. And, and when you start looking at that grassroots level, look up instead of the generals looking down, it tells a much more personal story. Mm -hmm. And so I personally, I love the diaries. I love the letters. I yep. love telling people that they didn't talk like question your Vada saw. That's not how really they talked. Mm -hmm. it's like, right. like gone with the wind. It was, it was, these are people who were sustaining themselves day to day, worrying about their families back home, how they're going to feed them. 
you know, did they join? Why did they join this? Did they do this for the right reasons? Was, you know, would I be a coward not to? So all those stories are really, really important. So that was one thing that definitely stood out to us. We went to visit was uh, you were definitely selling on the same side of the street mm-hmm. for, for you guys, for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I definitely yeah. found it was a very balanced view. Like you have, you know, what the uniforms look like for the union troops, but then, you know, you've also got the Confederates as well. So it like mm-hmm. people can learn about both sides and go through the museum that way. And absolutely, it's mm-hmm. like you guys do a great job with that. Um, Thank you. And it's, you know, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that doesn't change because as much as we want to separate the 21st century from the 19th century mm-hmm. in telling the story, it's it's a it's a thin line uh, to walk and be able to tell stories that are engaging and uh, that people want to hear. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, viewpoints today, just like there were back then. And sometimes when people uh, hear about, oh, it's a, a war, it's going to talk about slavery, it's going to talk about divisiveness. And, you know, some people just don't want to hear that, you know, or they want to hear it in such a way that it doesn't make them feel bad or, uh, you know, um, make their region uh, look bad, that type of thing. So it is kind of a, a fine, a fine line to be able to tell the true history, be able to tell the stories of the individuals, and just put the facts out there and and really let them, uh, you know, decide for themselves. Is this what I want to hear? Is this, you know, going to be something that's important to me? That after I leave the museum, am I going to want to go home and look some of this stuff up mm-hmm. and really? Uh, dive into it some more. We hope that that's what people will do is leave here with that spirit of curiosity uh, of, wow, I wonder if I had any relatives that fought in the Civil War. If I know I had uh, relatives that fought in the Civil War, but I want to know more about them. I want to know where they were. Where did they fight? What were they fighting for? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we try and really inspire. I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things. We want to be able to do, uh, we want to be able to inspire. We want to be able to entertain also. Um, you know, people need to come in here and have a positive experience. Uh, you know, it can't all be all doom and gloom, mm-hmm. you know, but war is not a pretty thing. It's something that uh, you really are facing the realities of what has happened in our country. And, you know, you can't always just talk about the things that are fun to talk about. You know, we talk about slavery, point blank. Um, you know, it was a miserable thing. It was terrible. But it's something that we need to know about. Mm-hmm. We can't just not talk about it because, you know, we can. We know that memory is a short thing. Um, yeah. If you don't know about your great-grandparents and there's nobody there to tell you about them or if you don't have the interest in looking them up, your children aren't going to have any more interest in them either. Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of goes away unless you do the work, unless you have the the interest to dig into what happened back then. Uh, so, you know, we hope to inspire people to, to look into their past, to look into, you know, uh, maybe look into themselves and, you know, think, you know, where would I have stood, you know, during that time in our country's history? Um you know, it's it's a, such a fascinating subject that we hope that um, people who are kind of on the fence about history and they're just being dragged here by their parents or something like yeah. that, maybe they'll get a spark, you know, and they'll, they'll really want to just jump right in. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can always hope. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that leads into my next question. Like, so Dane, like working with students, like how, like that's the one struggle I think we all have in this field is getting the younger generation into it. So like what ages of students are coming into the museum or that you're working with. And um, I'm guessing you probably have to make it pretty interactive for it too with your program. Yes. And I, I experience uh, school groups coming into the museum that are um, mostly uh, in the intermediate levels, fourth through sixth grade through the middle school level. We have some high school students that come many of them on uh, trips, where they're traveling quite a distance from their school, um, maybe for a extended weekend type of field trip plan. 
And, and then I've even had some college-level students come through the museum as well. Um, inter, uh, it's important to, when you're interacting with such a uh, diverse group of students, to, to be able to um, take in, kind of read the room. That's, mm -hmm. that's my experience with presenting. Um, try to try to think about the the background demographics of the students the interests that they have at the moment and then try to find the immediate connections that um, they could relate to like one of the stories we like to, to tell a lot of here at the uh, Civil War Museum is of, of the stories of of drummer boys of individuals who had um, went away or got their parents' approval or maybe were orphans who went away to serve in the war as either part part of the Navy, part of a part of a regiment. Um, we have a photograph of a of a young boy who um, who joined the army actually in Alcatraz Island in California. Wow. Served in the cavalry when he was 11 years old and then ended up uh, serving in the post-war army as well made a whole career out of the military and uh, and and basically that was his experience. We also have a, a photo of a of a Union Navy veteran who's killed in on the uh, USS Galena at uh, Drury's Bluff and um, he was only 14 years old 14 yeah. wow. so so that uh, um, those inroads you can make with with uh, youth are excellent. Um, when I was starting out in the field, it was a much easier task to do when you were so young. The younger, yeah. the younger you are, the easier you can, uh, um, you become more approachable yeah. for students. Um, but what I one, one of the things I like to do for each of my programs as well is also make connections to the actual community that those visit visitors are coming from, research the soldiers that and sailors and people on the home front that had experienced civil war in their own way and made those stories known to us. And and then um, by making that backyard connection and explaining how much more of the world they got to see because of their service in the military or how, how uh, their lives were just so drastically changed because of the war um, that uh, they they made their own contributions as members of that Civil War generation. Mm -hmm. um, the One of the new trends I noticed in researching the Civil War is just how there's so much of an emphasis on how veterans after the war struggled to become reacclimated to um, civilian life and and how that trauma lingered with them. But so many of those veterans also worked over those struggles and they created quite impressive careers for themselves as businessmen and women, diplomats, um, as activists, and, and those individuals' stories should really linger with us today and, uh, and give us a, a sense of inspiration for, for um, what, what we deal with in our own struggles in our daily life and, and, uh, and inspire us to um, seek, seek ways to improve ourselves and seek leadership skills to to uh, make inroads in those areas. And that, that's an important lesson that I think um, students of all ages, young through adult, can learn from the Civil War generation. Absolutely, yeah. And we've talked about that on our podcast too, like just the kind of the post-war struggles that, that these men had, and even some of them uh, during, during the war too, probably struggled mm -hmm. as well. For people who don't know, the National Civil Museum is located right in Harrisburg, okay? Um, it's, a, it's a great location, um, and right over Reservoir Park, you know, the area. And so I guess you know, it's not far from Gettysburg. I, I wonder if, 
you know, how you guys help bring the Gettysburg tourists to Harrisburg who maybe aren't as maybe knowledgeable as how much Harrisburg played into both the Maryland campaign in 62, as well as the Gettysburg campaign. Um, what do you do to help attract those people to get out of that, out of the Adams County, out of the borough to get you into uh, your museum? Well, that's been sort of uh, the question since we opened. <laughs> how do we get a little bit of that uh, tourist traffic uh, here to Harrisburg? And while we are only, uh, you know, 35 minutes away, uh, it can be difficult because Gettysburg is an amazing place. Um, you know, nothing beats the, the battlefield when you're actually standing on it. And, you know, we've uh, done... a um, you know, various uh, uh, programs that sort of uh, go between here and Gettysburg. We've brought, um, uh, one thing that we do is we have tours that we set up that um, we actually bring artifacts down to Gettysburg, uh, artifacts that were actually used on the field at Gettysburg. Uh, and we have our tour and at different stops along the tours, we'll take out a specific artifact and uh, allow people to uh, actually hold it. We'll, you know, make sure everybody on the tour has their gloves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we make sure that we, uh, the artifacts that we choose for this are very stable. Uh, things like, um, you know, uh, artillery shells or, you know, things like that, or, or pieces that are, are framed or are encased in mylar so mm -hmm. that uh, excessive handling won't damage them at all. Um, and so, you know, we, we try and, bring the the um the history really uh back to life as far as having the actual artifacts on the field so we we do that um we sort of almost like bringing the museum to gettysburg uh we've done this uh with other battlefields as well uh fredericksburg um uh, we've been down to antietam we've done programs like this so we are really trying to um not only attract people to the museum, but also bring the museum uh, out to people as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's the, like, the important thing to do, right, is the two kind of mm -hmm. go hand in hand, because, you know, there's, the museums are there for preservation for people to come look at the items um, and see the mm -hmm. exhibits, but then you go to the battlefield and you can, you, after seeing it, you have an idea of what went on there. Um, right, and, right. And, and, you know, to actually be able to say, hold a a rifle uh, that was used at Gettysburg, mm -hmm. standing there in the place where it was actually used yep. during the battle, you're going to remember that. And that's going to, you know, you'll take that home with you. You'll not the rifle, but you'll take that memory <laughs> home with you. <laughs> and, you know, you'll, you always remember that. And, you know, hopefully uh, through word of mouth and, you know, advertising as much as we can, um, hopefully over time uh, that will draw people in. They'll, they'll see what we're trying to do here um, as, you know, programs that are, are unique and, and different. Um, there's a lot of uh, museums that are, are trying to uh, do new things. And, and you know, we're, at, we're right there. We're, you know, trying to, to uh, encourage people to come and see us. And, and those are the types of uh, programs uh, that we um, have developed over the years, uh, including... Uh, things like this, this podcast, mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to be involved in things like this, anything yep. to do with outreach. Uh, yep. We, uh, Dane uh, goes out to schools. We go out to uh, special events around town and set up a, a table with, uh, we have uh, reproduction artifacts so that, you know, people can pick them up and, you know, uh, use them. We have a reproduction drum for kids to oh, cool. yeah. beat on a little bit, <laughs> you know, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so we want to, you know, uh, educate people. We want to inspire people and we want to create memories as well. Well, there's such a good history right in your area too. I mean, people, we always suggest you go to Gettysburg, kind of get out of the borough a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Go check out, you know, Monocacy in Maryland, go to Monterey mm -hmm. Heights, you know, and where you are, you've, you know, you're not far from Fort College, from Fort Washington. There's, there's yep. a lot of places right in Harrisburg. And we've always said that, you know, if, if not for Antietam, Harrisburg might be, a, might be a bigger place in, in, you know, mainstream history right now. Oh, if yeah, not for, yeah. if, you know, if, if Jackson doesn't die and the Union, the Confederates still have two corps, that battle could very well be in Harrisburg. 
not get his right. So, so you yeah. think about how how much history takes place in that. So, one of the things that I was, you know, I was still impressed by and blown away by was the stuff you guys have. Um, what are some of the, your favorite items that you have either on display or in the uh, the secret back room that you that you like? <laughs> the maybe, secret maybe, back room. <laughs> that, that there's some things that if there's any maybe a couple things you look at and you go, man, that is so cool. I can't believe we have it. What are some personal favorites you guys have? Well, for me, you know, that's a it's a difficult question because you know I've been here for. 22 years approximately and i look at all of the artifacts as just absolutely precious and uh inspiring and it, it's really hard to say well yeah i like this one better than the other you know there are are artifacts that are crowd pleasers like you know weapons and flags and mm -hmm. uniforms and things like that but it really depends on the the story behind the artifact you know i like to say um you know, it could be a camp spoon or, you know, a tin cup or something like that. It really depends on the story behind it. You know, we do have one, an example of one uh, camp uh, spoon. It's a folding camp spoon. And what's really neat about that is uh, this particular one belonged to uh, General Grant. It oh, was presented wow. to him in a mess kit that President Lincoln presented to him as sort of a thank you for allowing uh, his son, Robert Todd Lincoln, to serve on his staff. So he got him a, a, a set of uh, field utensils in this little kit, and they're all engraved with General Grant's name on it. And we have the spoon from that kit. <laughs> so, you know, how cool is that? That is um, amazing. You know, and you know, there's all sorts of other little uh things that you know you might not give a second glance to but if you stop and really look at these things you know a carving that was done at andersonville or libby prison um you know a piece of hardtack that was saved by a soldier with and there's a little painting of it of an american flag on it you know uh, uh we have a uh, a frame that was made out of little wooden pegs uh and that was made by a convalescing soldier who was wounded at Cold Harbor, uh, you know? So all these little things uh, can be just as interesting and just as amazing mm -hmm. as the big, you know, the big picture things, you know, like the flags and the, the uniforms and the guns. Um, and so for me, you know, I hate to say that I actually have favorites, but <laughs> I'm originally from Vermont. And so whenever we get something in for, for, from Vermont, <laughs> I, my, I do kind of perk up a little bit yeah, that's really neat, you know, but I think I'm a little bit, uh, 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 I sort of tilt towards that because I'm, you know, from New yeah. England. Uh, so New England pieces really kind of, you know, get me jazzed. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Dave, what about yourself? David? What, what, I know we were up there. You were pretty excited about some stuff too, but what are some things you like to check out? Well, I'm, I'm kind of in the, in the same boat as as uh, Brett, as in, it's hard to pick an actual object that is a favorite for my, uh, for me. But um, I'm also tend to be inclined to take greater interest in objects from eastern Pennsylvania. I'm from mm -hmm. the the Weehaw Valley region in Pennsylvania. Found out I had um, ten Civil War ancestors that all served in the same company of the same regiment. Company G of the 153rd Pennsylvania Volunteer Infantry, an 11th Corps Regiment that uh, at Chancellorsville was uh, right on right on the uh, edge of the right flank with only another regiment from New York to face uh, Jackson's flank attack. Um, they were also at uh, Barlow's Knoll and East Cemetery Hill at Gettysburg. It was just a nine-month regiment, but uh, one of the most impressive donations that we had recently acquired while I was working here was um, the sword of a of a soldier who I had researched in graduate school, Captain Theodore Hart Howe of the 153rd, who was in Company D of that regiment. So in graduate school, I was mining his letters, which are at various institutions and trying to research, research him in depth. But um, that the artifact we have is a model 1850 foot officer sword and it is missing its scabbard. And 
through all my research, I was unable to find a newspaper article that featured his daughters holding that sword and told the story of how he, um, on the retreat from Barlow's Knoll, stuck it in into the ground in a field, was wounded, and then as he re recouped in a Gettysburg hospital um, and came back to better health, he went out to recover that sword, which that um, that rusty sword <laughs> really resonates with me. Um, another another artifact we have from the collection that is from that area of Pennsylvania is the um, personal effects of um, a John Cunius who served in the 13th Pennsylvania Cavalry, and he created a display box with a glass um, front on it and door to open up and he literally put all of the items that he came home with from the war his cavalry saber a uh, little flag some hard tack a cup his revolver all of that just packed it away just like he he left it there for someone else to discover so wow. <laughs> that that's one of those artifacts that really resonates with me as well yeah it's one of those personal things and people, you know, got to realize this wasn't that long ago. It really, no. really wasn't. It wasn't. Oh, absolutely. We meet people all the time here who will say, you know, my grandfather fought in the Civil War. You know, I mean, it's really amazing to think for that person, the Civil War was only three generations yep. ago. You know, I remember watching the, I was down in the last gallery where we have a video that uh, plays, it's about the uh, 1913 50 year anniversary of Gettysburg, the reunion there. And uh, there was a, an older lady watching the video and I asked her how she was enjoying her tour. And uh, she looked at me and she said, oh, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and she points at the screen and she goes, you know, I was there in 1938. I was oh with my, my grandfather and he was a private in the Union Army. <laughs> and that's wow. just, to me, that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you think about uh, Civil War soldiers and people who lived during the Civil War, you tend to think of them in terms of black and white, you know, photographs or statues, that type of thing. They don't really all the time seem like real people. Um, but for her, that was her grandfather. And that was a, a very vivid memory for her. Wow, that would be incredible <laughs> too. Yeah. I, I mean, my, in my head, when I had my holy crap moment, I was sitting in Gettysburg one time. Shockingly, Mary, I was at a bar in Gettysburg wow. or at Sweeney's. <laughs> I know, and um, and there was an old, an old uh, codger sitting there, and he, you know, very you know, oh, he was he's probably gone now. It was about ten years ago, but I was talking to him like I tend to do, talk with people at these places, talk about history, and I shook his hands, and he goes, you know, you shook the hand of a man just now who shook the hand of a Confederate soldier who fought here. I was like, how the heck does he, he was a small child in 1938 and he went yeah. to the reunion and he yeah. met one. So yeah. that was one of those wow moments for me. And people need to realize that, you know, yeah, there, there are pictures and they're gray, black and white and they're old. Um, but it wasn't that long ago. It re, I, you know, my grand, no. I, you go to these parades now, July 4th parade, and you don't see too many anymore, unfortunately, but you'll see the World War II veterans. They'll come yeah. down. Yep. And my when my grandfather one of those parades, it was Civil War veterans, mm -hmm. you know, and so oh, it, yeah. it, and that's what really resonates when you get these personal stories, like the ones you guys have over your over your place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, now speaking of relics, I know we're not doing this on video, but um, you got something cool behind you. I know you guys want to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, we have a, a few artifacts here. Yep. <clears throat> um, we have a uh, a Sharps rifle here. This uh, rifle. Um, was captured in battle in, uh, on October 5th, 1862, at the Battle of Hatchie Bridge by a Lieutenant William M. Uh, Reed. He was with the 15th Illinois Cavalry. Um, and the uh, soldier that he captured it from, the Confederate soldier, was with the 6th Arkansas Mounted Infantry. And um, after he had captured the soldier with his his weapon there, uh, the soldier told him that he had been told, <laughs> so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, that that rifle was one of the original Beecher's Bibles, the ones that were shipped up and sent out to Kansas during uh, bloody Kansas oh, wow. um, in a box marked Bibles. And he wrote that in his diary. 
Lieutenant Reed wrote that in his diary, uh, that that's what he was told by this Confederate soldier. He said, um, apparently after uh, things had uh, settled down in Kansas, the uh, weapons were collected and shipped to the arsenal in Little Rock. Uh, and that's where it came from. That's how it got into the hands of the Confederates. Uh, you know, whether that's true or whether that's just a story that the Confederate told uh, his captor, uh, who knows, but um, that's the story that the uh, the soldier who captured that rifle uh, believed enough to write it down in his in his diary. Oh. Uh, so that's that's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, there's also um, we have a, a holster here. It's just a, a, a revolver a holster from a cavalryman. His name was. Um, Henry W. Uh, Chester, he was with the 2nd Ohio Cavalry. And what's neat about this uh, holster is uh, in his memoirs, he actually had written uh, his memoirs about, um, and part of it talks about this holster in particular. He had been in a battle down near Winchester and uh, his uh, company of the 2nd Ohio had charged the Confederates. Uh, he had uh, gotten ahead of his company and had to end up charging right through the Confederates. Uh, they gave chase, he was eventually captured, but then his men came back and uh, so the Confederates had to let him go, but they had taken his revolver at that point and they also took his, uh, his gun belt but he had held on to the holster. And what's neat is his horse had run away. Uh, it had made it back to his company uh, and it took part in that charge wow. <laughs> alone without him on it. <laughs> wow. But it was unfortunately eventually captured. But as he was kind of left behind as his men uh, chased away these Confederates, a Confederate cavalry trooper who had been uh, dismounted uh, he came upon him uh, and uh, the uh, soldier had a carbine. And so he basically uh, walked right up to him and pulled out his holster and pointed it right at his face, like up close, so oh close that if you see the front of the holster, it has sort of a hole in it. The Confederate soldier couldn't tell that it wasn't actually a gun, that it wasn't a revolver. <laughs> and so oh, he demanded wow. a surrender because he had what he thought was a gun pointed to his face. So he surrendered and uh, Lieutenant Reed took his carbine and then started laughing. <laughs> and, and he said, I didn't even have a gun. This is a holster. <laughs> you know, you had me dead to rights. And he said he told that to the, the Confederate and the Confederate started laughing too. <laughs> so, you know, kind of interesting how in the thick of battle, things can just turn so quick from, mm -hmm. you know, being uh, in a charge to being captured, to being freed, to being almost captured again, to bluffing your way out of it and then capturing an enemy soldier uh, with an empty holster. That's, uh, you know, little things like that. Yeah that I'm sure every every war has has lots of those stories, but it's neat that, you know, we have the holster here in the collection. And when you look at it, it does, you can't, you, if it, it was does right look like page, a gun, like be able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Um, we also have um, a saddle valise here. Uh, this actually belonged to uh, Jefferson Davis. Oh, wow. This is his uh, saddle valise. And this was uh, captured in Irwinsville, Georgia, uh, on May 10th, 1865, um, when Jefferson Davis was captured. It was captured by uh, Daniel Graham, who was, I believe, a, a corporal in the 4th Michigan Cavalry. Yeah. And uh, with this, we also have a newspaper article uh, from, I think it's 1911, when uh, Graham was older and he's holding this saddle valise, uh, you know, posing with it and they took his picture. And so we have that as well. So it's got very good provenance and it's just a really unique piece, uh, that, uh, you know, talks about that, uh, the end of the war. Um, and again, we're, we're very fortunate to have that. Yeah, that's in the amazing. Collection. You have that. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have artillery shells. This is an artillery shell that was uh, thrown into Carlisle by Jeb Stewart's uh, horse artillery, uh, didn't explode. 
Um, and so, you know, it was recovered and uh, through the years it passed through, I'm sure many hands and it was eventually acquired for this museum. We have a piece of uh, case shot that's been uh, blown apart. You can see the, uh, the shot inside oh, the, wow. uh, mm -hmm. the round portion of the shell. Uh, this was actually from the Allegheny Arsenal in uh, 2017, just you know, five, six years ago. Um, they were doing some excavating there. They were for construction on, on the site of the Allegheny Arsenal, and they came across a whole horde of case shot that were still fully primed and ready to go. Uh, you know, so they had to call in the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers, and they uh, gathered up all of these unexploded uh, shells and uh, brought them up to Fort Indian Town Gap uh, near Harrisburg, uh, where they had them uh, destroyed, basically blown up in place. Um, I think they saved one or two uh, for their museum. Um, but after that, uh, I got a call and they said, if you want to come on up, we have all these, uh, you know, shell fragments. Uh, that we just finished blowing up. If you want to come up and you know pick some out for your museum, come on up. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. That's you know, cool. so I went up there, and uh, they had these big bins just full of these things. I had to actually climb inside the bins because it was really tall to be able to reach them. And uh, you know, I was like, wow, this one's great. This one's great. <laughs> and so when all was said and done, I gathered up about a hundred chunks of these. Uh, exploded case shot from the Allegheny Arsenal. Uh, and when I got them back to the museum, that's when I realized I have to clean all these things because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like super rusty. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's I've, I've cleaned quite a few of them now and we've uh, had them on display and we've used them in educational programs and things of that sort. But I still have uh, quite a few left to go. So sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, nice, prom, nice prom to have. That is so cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I could go on all day as far as the artifacts that we have in the collection and the stories behind them. Uh, it just goes on and on, which is, and like I said, it uh, never gets old. It's, uh, it's like Christmas every day working yep. here. Um, we're, you know, we're very fortunate. What's great about you guys too, not only you guys have a great amount of displays, a lot of, it, it's a really pretty place to go visit uh, both in and outside, but you do a lot of events. And I know next weekend is a big weekend for you guys. This is going to drop on Saturday. So the following weekend of the, 20, uh, the week 23rd is your blue and gray gala, which sounds right. like a lot of fun, Mary. People could all get a chance to get dressed up in period gear or dress casual. Yeah. Um, a lot of, yeah. lot of fun stuff. So what do you got going on that day? Uh, well, at the uh, gala, um, we have uh, the uh, reception that goes from uh, 6 to about 8.30. Uh, we have uh, silent auctions. We have uh, our um, caterers that cater our events here. They're going to be set up throughout the galleries uh, with different stations. So uh, people who come to the gala can uh, sample their sample their wares, uh, everything from uh, uh gourmet foods to uh, beers to uh, mixed drinks even. Uh, the distilleries and breweries in the area will be here and they'll be represented. Uh, so there's, you know, that's a, a really great time. We're actually gonna have uh, an artillery uh, uh, company here or battery here to uh, kind of kick off the gala. They'll be firing off a shot uh, to officially start it and then they'll be here uh, the next day, uh, we'll have actually six uh, artillery pieces here uh, the following Saturday, uh, that Saturday, um, uh, as a part of our Civil War Days, which uh, Dane has been instrumental in helping put together. So I'll let him uh, talk about yeah, that. That, uh, that event is called uh, Civil War Saturday. It'll basically run from 10 in the morning till four in the afternoon on Saturday, September 24th. Um, Admission will be at a reduced rate that day, $10 for adults, and kids under 18 are free. Nice. Um, and that'll feature artillery, infantry, and cavalry reenactors, union reenactors, to kind of almost do a um, mock recreation of, of Camp Curtin, Harrisburg's Civil War training camp. Um, and we'll also have uh, demonstrators uh, doing uh, period photography 
We'll have uh, people doing period woodcraft and woodwork uh, and, and demonstrations of, of things that you'd see around the home. We'll have the uh, sanitary commission there um, as well. And um, we'll have uh, living historians from uh, various ranks, including General Grant himself and his wife, Julia. Oh, <laughs> very cool. Yeah, the website talks about live artillery. I assume you mean a you know reenactment. I give him a spook downtown, or firing case shots out of the city. <laughs> <laughs> but that would um, no. that definitely definitely piqued my interest when I read that this morning. They'll um, just be firing blanks, uh, but it, it's still pretty loud. <laughs> I'll tell you about those you know those like eight ounces of powder versus two pounds. No question. And that's a great deal because, like you said before, it's only ten bucks to get in. Kids under eighteen free, and that looks like a lot of fun. Um, and in going back to that blue and gray gala, I mean, that's very economical as well. I mean, you're talking 75 bucks a person, 125 for a couple, only 50 bucks if you're a member. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's great. And as soon as you mentioned beer, people can't see, but Mary's eyes all perked up. She sat up straight to see <laughs> you mentioned that. So, so if you're into the beer and wine, you can certainly take advantage of that as well. Yeah, and it's a really great time. It's, you know, just a, a relaxing evening out. Uh, you know, it's it's fancy, but it's comfortable. You know, it's you can go dressed casual or you can put on your uh, frock coat and, you know, really do it up. You know, your mm -hmm. top hat, whatever you want to do, you know. Epilettes. Uh, the whole thing. <laughs> thing you know and uh so it, you know it's a really good time uh and and everyone who goes there uh each year uh just raves about you know how much fun it is um so we're we're really excited uh for this year's this year's gala that's and then sounds very cool and jumping ahead in the calendar on the 15th of october you have the uh the, the symposium with u.s grants that's going to be mm -hmm. taking place which is going to be a, another great event so this is uh, this is not your, you know, your grandfather's museum we're talking here. This is a right. very, oh, very, yeah. in, very interactive, interesting place with a lot of events. They even do weddings there, Mary. Imagine That's that. Cool. 5,500 square foot banquet hall, up to 200 oh, guests. Yeah. So maybe we'll get yeah, invited we, to a uh, wedding there someday. We do it all here. <laughs> and we're really, we're working on on more uh, of that, those types of things where people can come and enjoy the museum, but also enjoy, uh, you know, other aspects of the museum. We hope in the future to be doing some uh, Halloween related uh, type things. Cool. Uh, we are kind of figuring that out, but hopefully maybe someday we'll have, you know, like a, a haunted hayride uh, uh you know, uh, Civil War hayride or something along those lines, uh, or haunted galleries, uh, that type of thing. Um, you know, we're we're always looking for ideas. So, uh, you know, any of the any of your listeners out there who got some good ideas about what they might like to see here at the museum, let us know. Let us know. We'd absolutely, uh, you know, be uh, uh, thrilled with with you know trying to collaborate with with uh, with our visitors and with you know people who are interested in the museum create some new events like yep. we, we've done uh big screen movies on the grounds behind the museum mm -hmm. we're considering uh doing plays historical plays and performances the the ballroom yourself which you mentioned is used frequently for such just weddings and baby showers or bridal events we have uh corporate events corporate rentals and everything so it's uh we'll we'll cater to your venue that's that's our mission <laughs> that's that's cool and for listeners in the harrisburg area you guys have a volunteer program too right for people to come yes. volunteer at the museum. yes we have a volunteer program that uh is involved with um, anything from uh, interpretation in the galleries and, and displaying uh, reproduction artifacts to kind of help that novice visitor get a sense of what a nine and a half pound musket really feels like when it's in your hands to, to um, volunteers who are in our uh, archives mm -hmm. and in our artifact collection that uh, are um, assessing the condition of artifacts or also um, transcribing letters, transcribing text from the original hands of Civil War soldiers, um, whether it be documents in English or in their native language, we've had, right. we've had right. volunteers Very work, cool. work right. on. And uh, 
COVID kind of put a, a bit of a wrench in the works. Uh, so we had to uh, say uh, goodbye to our volunteers for a while, uh, but we're starting to bring them back now. And, uh, you know, we're always looking for, for new volunteers. There's plenty of things to do up here, uh, and it's interesting work. Uh, if you can, you know, uh, read cursive, <laughs> that definitely helps. Yep. Um, a lot of the uh, letters that are transcribed in the uh, in the archives uh, written by soldiers. Uh, as a matter of fact, just yesterday, uh, we had a donation of about 35 letters. Uh, and as I was going through them, one of the letters was actually uh, written at uh, Andersonville Prison. Wow. Uh, you know, just kind of in the middle of all these, yeah. uh, there's, you know, this letter that's got, you know, red, you know, Georgia clay on it. I mean, oh, it's cool. just amazing to, you know, see something like that. It's been, you know, with the family for all these years, not seen by anybody. And then all of a sudden there it is, you know, right, right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing things like that, uh, that, uh, we come across all the time. Um, so, you know, if, if, you know, anyone's interested in that type of thing, uh, you know, let us know. And there, there are definitely volunteer opportunities here. Very cool. Yeah, I was I was looking over the the form, but I'm like seven hours away. We'll get down there full time eventually. We'll be volunteering. Yeah. If you ever need Oliver Otis Howard to interpretive agent, somebody you got you got this one right here. will be all over that. But yeah. we definitely look forward <laughs> to it. To, 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 but I, it's a great museum. Um, We'll get ready to get, to get back to work here in a little bit, but it's uh, obviously a very economic museum. It's I believe it's fifteen dollars to get in as an adult, and mm -hmm. as a student, it's thirteen. You guys got a great family package for fifty-six dollars, which allows two adults and three students. So we're not talking about a very expensive thing. Yep. If you're in if you're in Gettysburg and you go way more often than you probably should, like us, and you don't get to that museum, shame on you all because it's so close. <laughs> and you, you'll see some things that are not, that. It's uh that you'll you'll never forget, you know whether whether you um yeah, and anybody who uh, signs up as a member, uh you know uh, a one time uh, fee uh, membership fee, and you can come back as many times as you want. Um, so that's definitely something to look into yeah. as well. Definitely, definitely. Well, look, we'll let you guys go. We really appreciate the time. I mean, we're big fans of you guys. We'll, we'll be visiting you guys many, many times. You'll definitely see us volunteering down there at some point. Awesome. And, uh, we, we look to forward it. to it. So, Brett Kelly, you're the curator. Uh, Dane yep. uh, DeFabo, you're the executive dire uh, education director. So you guys have a lot of responsibility. I'm very envious of both of your jobs. Yes. <laughs> so I, I, and, I, and, you, and you can tell by both of your passion that you guys both feel the same way about the stuff as we do. It really resonates to people who talk with you guys, how excited you are about your museum. So anybody who's listening to this, get out to the museum. It's a very cool place to go. It's a very easy place to get to uh, just outside of the town. It's a perfect lives. for a day trip too, if you're in Gettysburg and it's a rainy day. And even if it's not yeah. a rainy day, just take a drive yeah. down yeah. the road to Harrisburg and go see it. Absolutely. And, and the, view there is, <laughs> the view there is incredible as well. Um, and it's a great exhibit. I would say like, you know, I saw some kids when I was there. I would say, like, if I was a kid and I was able to go to the museum, I'd be super happy to be there. Um, I think you just, I think you're able to hit all those different, like, learning types as well. Like, it's not just artifacts, but it's these exhibits. Um, yep. know, before we start recording, yep. I was telling you guys, like, the, the Cushing exhibit was, like, that was yeah. really haunting. But well, then, I'll, I'll tell you, I yeah. felt that Cushing exhibit. Gentlemen, you know what I mean. I, I can you feel when you see that one. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah. It's, a, it's a fantastic, fantastic place. It's so interpretive. Uh, it's got a lot of uh, very unique things that a lot of the other places, the, the Gettysburg National uh, Museum doesn't have, and other places like that. So um, so get out of the bird. Get it, change birds. Go from Gettysburg to Harrisburg and go check out some things. Yep. Yep. Definitely go say hi to these guys. They'd be happy to... Uh, Happy to show you around. So, get down, so a lot of stuff coming up down the pike for you guys as well. Yeah. So, Mayor, I think this is a great talk. I think this is great. I'm, I'm yeah. very excited to get back. I can't wait. I feel like jumping in the car right now and heading down there again. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. And um, thanks to our listeners. Anytime. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode. And be sure to get out if you're in the area. Get to the National Civil War Museum. It's an amazing spot. Um, as for us at the podcast, our next episode is going to be about Special Order 191, and that'll be probably dropping, um, if not next week, the week after. We will be having a roundtable 
in a few weeks as well, which we will make an announcement about that on social media. And um, we'll be having a Facebook Live, not this weekend, but the weekend after. So uh, that would be September 24th, which is the mm -hmm. day of Civil War Saturday at the Civil Definitely. War Museum. So, um, so any, thought, any parting words from you, Darren? Well, just that if you're at the National Civil War Museum, drop by, get down there, tell them the Civil War Breakfast Club sent you. Tell them, say, tell them we said hello. And really enjoy it because I guarantee you that once you go that first time, you're going to go back because there's a lot of cool stuff. They rotate their stuff very, very well. And uh, and you'll definitely get a better perspective. Uh, you'll see a lot of different things that aren't just specific to Gettysburg, Remade or Antietam or wherever you happen to go. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us. It, was really was, it really was a pleasure for us. But it was great to see you guys again. It was great. Thanks for hosting us that day and seeing all that really, really cool stuff. Yes, and I challenge everybody listening to Anytime. this to go down and see that stuff. <laughs> see that stuff on your own so guys we appreciate it have a great uh, have a great weekend and you this too. will drop on on, uh, on saturday so we hope that you, you can check it out and hopefully this gives you a little bit of a bump in your um in your attendance because yep. uh it, it's a, it's really a, a jewel that uh that really needs to uh, to be taken advantage of at top thanks so much for having us on yeah. your podcast we really oh, appreciate you're it welcome. Thank you oh guys it was a pleasure guys enjoy the rest of your day okay yeah, take so care you too take care. Bye, guys. Yeah. Bye, -bye. bye everybody thanks for listening yeah see you guys later bye Da 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 da